Nutrition is remarkable in its ability to have people with completely opposite views saying they have science to support completely opposite views. Frustrating, isn't it? What are we supposed to believe? Welcome to Dynamism Biohacking. My name is Dr. Matt Hammett, wellness and nutrition expert, lifestyle trainer, and movement enthusiast. And each week, I'm going to share with you how to make the right nutritious choices despite conflicting expert opinions, where I help you to discover how to unlock your inner aborigine or your inner greatness. Thank you for spending this time with me today. So let's get into the training. The prevailing sickness and disease paradigm teaches a misleading concept that is shaping our modern culture toward an expression of life I call living without the consequence. The cliche of this culture believes that we are sick because of predetermined genes, harmful germs, or bad luck. People who go with the flow tend to believe that they are born weak with bad genetics, and that mentality makes them into a caged person, a lifelong victim, and a lifelong dependent of medical drugs and surgeries. Therefore, as long as this misconception continues to propagate within our society and cultural norm, then there is no reason to develop a lifestyle program if we are victim to our genes. Thus, the Western scientific approach may step in and create more drugs and surgeries to override our body's own regulatory system due to these so-called weaknesses and so-called errors in our genetic makeup. And that leads me to Dynamism Biohack, the sickness crisis paradigm. Dynamism is the enthusiastic quality or charism that dynamic people possess that characterizes them by their vigorous action and progress. They step outside that it's genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach into what I call true health. This is the health class your doctor doesn't know, the wellness prevention and health promotion solution, how to get and stay well for a lifetime. That's dynamism. Wellness expert Dr. James Chestnut tells us, and I quote him, They rationalize this theory and think that if genes do cause illness, and if we are born genetically predetermined to get sick, then we can never prevent it. Therefore, doctors feel it's a waste of time, energy, and resources to create or refer their patients to a lifestyle preventive health program. This is exactly why medicine spends no time, energy, and resources on wellness and prevention, end quote. You know, this theory is what they use to rationalize biotech companies that destroy the natural nutritional content in our foods, and it destroys our microbiomes. Chestnut explains that, and I quote again, he says, this theory and rationale, It states that if your scientific model is that the human being in front of you is sick because of pathological cell function or because of genetic predetermination, then it makes no sense to spend any of your time, money, energy, or resources on preventing that illness or getting that person well. Under this model, the best chance you have to improve the quality of life, which is a genetically predetermined to be sick, is to cover them up with a drug and override the system as long as you can for the remainder of their life, 
end quote. The underlying difference between the medical point of view and the chiropractic perspective can be answered with this question. Do people who get a chronic illness and go on medication ever get well? After my family's members' tragic deaths, I asked myself that question. These were three terrible deaths that could have been prevented. This didn't need to happen. And while I sifted through the science, seriously considering leaving chiropractic and entering medical school, I discovered in science that that's not even their argument. It's not even their argument. They don't even pretend to believe that a person with chronic illness gets better with medication. The literature is very clear, which, e which even has a specific term. It's called palliative care, which means to cover up relieving pain without dealing with the cause of the condition. The prevailing Western sickness disease culture spends most of their resources convincing us that we are born genetically weak and sick. They have convinced the popular culture that your best chance is to cover up the blame it and dame it and tame it with a drug approach and to override your body's ability since they mistakenly theorize that you and I are inherently incapable of regulating ourselves. Chiropractors recognize the fact that we are self-healing and self-regulating. God is not capable of making mistakes, spontaneous mutations, and genetic defects. However, our free will undoubtedly allow us to make terrible choices that have horrific consequences down multiple generations. These concepts are espoused by one profession only, chiropractic, and that's why I'm so proud to be a chiropractor and why we have such ability to save lives. Believe me, the purpose of this training is to verify that last statement, that chiropractic care is the answer to our disease of civilization. Although these things are espoused by chiropractic, above all else, we did not create these ideas. Chiropractic simply has been the only healthcare profession that recognizes them, having withstood the onslaught from Rockefeller in the Flexner Report. We have refused to adapt into the prescription of drugs the way the osteopathic profession did, as I will explain in a moment. We need to stop blaming our genes or lack of intelligence for our problems and start taking responsibility. Did it ever occur to you that perhaps this is the reason behind the rise of huge biotech food companies, which are chemical companies? Pharmaceutical companies got so powerful, even immune to the law as a result. And the worst thing that can happen to a system which depends on customers who have no power and live in total dependence is for them to become empowered, inspired by the idea that they can take responsibility for their health and educated in how to eat, move, think, connect, and cope so we can leave this planet well. That was the way our ancestors lived how our genes are programmed to express health, and that is how we need to express our genes. This training is dedicated to all of the billions of people who have died misguided by that system and to the future generation. You do have the power to change your health outcome, and we know through science exactly how to do it. That is empowerment. That is inspiration. That is new life. 
Since you're listening to this training, chances are you've watched or read some of the documentaries on food, nutrition, biotech companies, and GMOs. But have you heard of the Flexner Report and its influence over natural medicine? This is where the standardization of medicine comes from. The Flexner Report is a book-lengthy study of medical education back in the, for the United States and Canada, written by professional educator Abraham Flexner and published in 1910 by the Carnegie Foundation. The Flexner Report called American medical schools to enact so-called higher admission and graduation standards and to adhere strictly to the protocols of so-called mainstream science in their teaching and research. This mainstream science, mostly theoretical rat, mice, and laboratory research protocols were funded primarily by Rockefeller and benefited the pharmaceutical companies. A great deal of American medical schools fell short of the standard advocated in the Flexner Report. And after its publication, nearly half of such schools merged or were outright closed. The report also concluded that there were too many medical schools in the United States of America and that too many doctors were being trained. A repercussion of the Flexner Report resulting from the closure of university training was a reversion of American universities to male-only admittance programs to accommodate a smaller admission pool. And since classical antiquity, science as a type of knowledge has been closely linked to philosophy. In the early modern period, the words science and philosophy of nature were sometimes used interchangeably. But by the 17th century, natural philosophy, which is today called natural science, was considered a separate branch of philosophy. In modern usage, the word science most often refers to a way of pursuing knowledge, not only uh, the knowledge itself. It is also only restricted to those branches of study that seek to explain the phenomena of the material universe. In the 17th and 18th centuries, scientists increasingly sought to formulate knowledge regarding laws of nature, such as Newton's laws of motion. And over the course of the 19th century, the word science became increasingly associated with the scientific method itself as a disciplined way to study the natural world, including physics, chemistry, geology, and biology. It is the 19th century also that the term scientist was created by the naturalist theologian William Wuwell to distinguish those who sought knowledge on nature from those who sought other types of knowledge. In 1904, the AMA the established the Council on Medical Education, whose objective was to restructure American medical education. At its first annual meeting, the CME adopted two standards. One laid down the minimum prior education required for admission to a medical school. The other defined a medical education as consisting of two years training in human anatomy and physiology, followed by two years of clinical work in a teaching hospital. In 1908, the CME asked the Carnegie Foundation for the advancement of teaching to survey American medical education so as to promote the CME's reformist agenda and hasten the elimination of medical schools that failed to meet the CME standards. The president of the Carnegie Foundation, Henry Pritchett, a staunch advocate of medical school reform, 
chose Abraham Flexner to conduct the survey. Flexner was not a physician, scientist, or a medical educator. At that time, the 155 medical schools in North America differed greatly in their curricula, methods of assessment, and the requirements for admission and graduation. Flexner visited all 155 schools and generalized about them as follows, and I quote, let me get it. Each day, the students were subjected to interminable lectures and recitations, and the report became atrocious for its harsh description of certain establishments, for example, describing Chicago's 14 medical schools as, and I quote, disgraces to the state whose laws permit its existence, indescribably foul, the plague spot of the nation, end quote. Flexner carefully examined the situation using the John Hopkins School of Medicine as the ideal. He issued the following recommendations. There are five of them. Number one, to reduce the number of medical schools from 155 to 31 and poorly trained physicians. And number two, to increase the prerequisites to enter medical training. And number three, to train physicians to a practice in a scientific manner and engage medical faculty in research. Number four, to give medical schools control of clinical instruction in hospitals. And number five, to strengthen the state regulation of medical licensure. Well, by 1920, 92% of U.S. medical schools require this of applicants. As a consequence of the report, each state branch of the American Medical Association has oversight over the conventional medical schools located within the state. And as a result, the cost of health care has vastly increased and medicine in the U.S. and Canada has become a highly paid and well-respected profession. When Flexner researched his report, modern medicine faced vigorous competition from several quarters, including osteopathic medicine, chiropractic medicine, eclectic medicine, naturopathy, and homeopathy. Flexner openly doubted the scientific validity of all forms of medicine other than that based on scientific research, rat research, deeming any approach to medicine that did not advocate the use of treatments such as vaccines to prevent and cure illness was called quackery. Medical schools that offered training in various disciplines, including eclectic medicine, physiomedicine, naturopathy, and homeopathy, were given two choices. They were told to drop these courses from their curriculum or lose their accreditation and underwriting support. A few schools resisted for a time, but eventually all complied with the report or shut their doors. Although almost all of the alternative medical schools listed in Flexer's report were closed, the American Osteopathic Association was able to bring some osteopathic medical schools into compliance with Flexner's recommendations and produce an evidence-based practice. The curriculum of the DO and MD awarding medical schools are now nearly identical. The chief difference between the additional instruction in osteopathic schools of osteopathic manipulative medicine. This dramatic convergence of osteopathic and biomedical training demonstrates the sweeping effect 
of the Flexner Report, not only in the closure of inadequate schools, but also in the standardization of the curriculum of surviving schools. The chiropractic profession survived and stood alone against this new philosophy of standardized medicine, or the concept medicalization of life. Many chiropractors went to jail to fight for the right of the people to a natural approach to healthcare. As a result, today, over 50% of Americans visit a doctor of chiropractic, and its growing popularity is on the rise. We ultimately have the power to change our health outcome. And now, let us explore the how-to. Lighten up, move better, and live fuller. If you are a current patient in our office, I love you. Thank you so much for your confidence in us. If you are not a patient, I certainly would love to meet you someday. Go to our website, newlifefamilychiropractic.net. And also, I just want to remind everyone that we got the same 24 hours in a day. I'm no busier than you are, but if your goal is to live a happier, healthier, and fuller life, you've got to learn to manage yourself. And that means managing your movement, which drives your energy. When we better manage our energy, we're better able to be more present and vibrant and enjoy our life. We're better able to manage our five pillars of a dynamic health. You deserve a life that is peaceful, that is balanced, that is happy, where you have tons of good health. The health that you need, the health that is on demand when you need it most. You see, because health doesn't come to you, it comes from you. It is a fruit that is grown and earned. And I know we all heard the genetic cliche, the blame it, name it, and tame it with a drug approach. But the truth is, the solution doesn't lie with more drugs and surgeries. The solution lies with you. You know it's not so much of a healthcare crisis as it is a self-care crisis in our world today. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I love you. I love hearing from you. So don't forget to reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Do so by whatever is your favorite social media platform. Send me a message there. Let me know that you listened to this episode and what you thought of it. And as always, I appreciate it in advance anyone who is kind enough to write a review. That is the ultimate gift. I appreciate you very much for that. I love spending this time with you. I'm Dr. Matt Hammett reminding you to lighten up, move better, and live fuller. Until next, Dynamism Biohack.